In this episode, we'll be learning how to find our liberation in conflict from a conflict resolutionary. She's an organizational development professional, a trainer, and the owner of Seattle Conflict Resolution. Welcome to the show, Christine. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thank you, Toby. Really excited to be here. I'm super happy that you are also here on this episode. This is going to be released on the 27th of December, and it's going to be your birthday, so I'm going to say happy birthday already. (laughs) 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 Happy happy birthday to you. (laughs) And, And thank you so much for the great work you do, you know, in the world in our generation to help people deal better with, you know, with conflicts around them. But I know something must have inspired you to go on this path, right? Something must have inspired you to become a conflict resolutionary and to start the Seattle Conflict Resolution also. So would you like to share this story with us? Oh, gladly. So it all started when I took a job with AmeriCorps, which in the U.S. is like kind of like the, like the Peace Corps, right? The domestic Peace Corps. Um, and my job was to feed dinner to homeless young people, people who were living outside, would come into this church basement and get free food from us. And my first night at this meal program was terrible. <laughs> it was absolutely terrible. You know, I had all of these intentions about being this um, really big social worker, savior person. And I'm from a small town. I had no idea what I was getting into. My first night, my purse was stolen. There were fights breaking out everywhere. There was this young girl who had a really big mouth on her, was just causing all kinds of problems everywhere she went. My food team was a small handful of church volunteers. They were hiding behind the food table. They were so frightened. And I looked at this chaos, and I I was frightened. I decided, I'm not coming back. $900 a month of AmeriCorps stipend. It's not worth this. This I, I don't feel safe. Um, and as I was making that decision, a big voice boomed out over the whole crowd. And it said, hey, little bean, knock it off. You're messing it up for the whole burrito. And after he said that, the whole room got quiet and everybody got manners and no more fights. and i'm just like going what just happened here oh my goodness this this group is accountable to each other and who was that who said that and like i wanted to come back the next night and i realized i have something to learn and uh, ultimately they became my greatest teachers because they were living in conflict every day of their lives they were navigating life outside Um, being targeted for abuse by the police, by the college students that were around them. And I had to figure out, like, how do they handle conflict? Because clearly I'm bad at it. (laughs) Like, I had to admit that I had no clue and that my small town did not prepare me for that. So I spent the next um, almost 15 years working with homeless young people in social services in high conflict settings where we would have fights and we would have hostility. Um, We would have people who were suicidal. We'd have people who are injecting drugs. We would have people who are in domestic violence kind of situations. And all of that pushed me from being conflict averse to actually realizing, wow, this is where the good stuff happens. When we're frightened and we're on edge, is where we're the the most vulnerable and also 
the most likely to learn about who we truly are and what's actually happening. Wow, that's so deep. Wow, and I'm so glad that you know you you took all of these experiences and you you've been passionate about learning, you know, how to improve your your conflict handling skills, basically, to also start the Seattle um, conflict resolution. That's awesome. That's good. Yeah, that's good. and the next part of that story is that one of the places I uh, operated was a shelter, and I didn't have enough money to staff it. We we were turning people away every night and it was heartbreaking. We wanted to bring more people in from outside, but that meant running it with mostly volunteers, like, you know, five volunteers to every staff member because my budget was so low. So I had to train other people in how to handle conflict so that I could follow my heart and say yes to more of the shelter guests. And so I had to take what I had learned from the street folk and like, figure out how to translate that and <laughs> teach a bunch of college students like how to do this. And that's, that's how Seattle conflict resolution started was just that necessity. Yes. Oh, that's good. And, um, you know, you've been doing that for quite a while now already. I would yes. just love to, to, to learn from, from your knowledge and from your experience and expertise in that area. Like what are like some common causes of conflict that we have out there or that you've, you know, come in contact with so far? Well, they take a variety of forms, right? They show up in every place of our lives, uh, mostly, I think, in the extreme case with the people we love, because that's where we show up with the least resources, right? And where our our deepest issues kind of get surfaced. Um, but essentially, how I see conflict is, is simply confusion about power. So if I have a conflict with another person or with a situation, there's usually something about my understanding about who's making the decisions and what agency I have and how I see myself that's, that's the root of that conflict. So what I treat, when I train people is 80% of handling conflict well is de-escalating yourself, is figuring out what, what is it that I'm bringing into the situation that is less than my best self. Because our best self, I don't know if you can think about the last time you were in your really good space, you know, you were doing something you loved, you were in what I call the green zone, right? Your parasympathetic nervous system is operating, you feel creative, you feel in your right brain, everything is just wonderful, right? If that's the self that shows up when things get spicy, they dissipate, they just evaporate. Because nothing anybody says is going to stick to you. Nothing anybody does is going to offend you because you're completely aware of your value and your beauty. Right? And if we bring that person into any situation, they're, they're like magical. They, that person is beautiful and amazing. And, and people lean into that energy because, because they are attracted to it. Mm -hmm. Mm. right and even yeah. if they're having a really rough day you show up with that energy and they're just gonna like go, oh what 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 is that <laughs> you know there's a great great video i share of a of a couple in an argument and the woman is just like really mad at this man and and he leans over and he lands a big wet kiss on her lips 
<laughs> and, and she just stops what she's doing because like how can you respond to this act of love mm. you know, you'd be, you'd be you know dumbfounded yeah 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 it, it surprised her and that's and that's what i train people to do is like lean in with your best self and let this other person experience a taste of the peace that you have because that's all those emotions are looking for is like Something is not okay with me. I have this unmet need and I feel really alone right now. Because if we didn't feel alone, we would ask for help, right? If I have an unmet need and I notice other people around me, I'm going to say, oh, hey, I need a little help with this. But if I'm like, I'm, I'm not noticing that they're my allies. I'm feeling like I'm really alone in whatever emotions are going on. So I, I just train people. This is, this is how to take care of yourself. And then once you do this, this is how you lean in. And here's some here's some words you can use that you know are not so challenging <laughs> to this other person. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I would love you to just teach us those those techniques. Like, how can we always be at peace with ourselves whenever we're in, in conflict, or how can we be in that green zone all the time so that we can be able to, you know de-escalate ourselves or de-escalate the whole situation around us how can we be that's that light of hope in any rough situation or any storm that is around us well getting to the green zone is whatever your spiritual journey is for me that happens to be meditation and deep breathing um but you know i'm i'm invited into corporate settings and restaurants and hotels to train their whole team so of course, I'm not going to talk to them a lot about meditation because, you know, these are folks that have like five seconds before they've got to show up into this into this crisis. So I give them some some kind of shortcuts. One of them is um, this yoga breath, which is basically you count as you inhale and you count as you exhale. And on your count, you want your exhale count to be twice the number of your inhale count. So that way it doesn't matter like what numbers you get. It just matters that you got like, oh, I inhale for five. Okay, I got to exhale for 10, uh, right? And, and you yeah, do yeah. that five times and you have now told your body, hey, I'm in charge. Because what happens is our brain feels all of the cortisol and all of the adrenaline that our body is starting to absorb. And it assumes that there is a life-threatening situation. When in fact, our body is just responding to this little hijack that happened in our brain left over from some old operating system from years ago, right? Like it's, it's just complete fallacy that we need to do fight, flight, freeze with everything in today's society. We don't, <laughs> but we still have that operating system. So I'm, I'm training people how to circumvent that body response. And get back into a sense of like, oh, no, I'm in charge of your body. I got you. It's okay. Those five breaths are one thing you can do. You can also take five. A lot of the situations that we react to, we have this sense like, oh, I've got to do something right now. I have no time. I got to, I got to get in there right now. Like, no, very rarely do you have to do something right now. That's just, again, that heightened reflexive reactivity that we have instinctually. So when your brain kicks in and says, oh, wow, that's a really good question. Can I get back to you in five minutes? You've just, again, told your body, I'm, 
I'm pacing myself about when and how I engage with this person. Or if that person's really hostile, my favorite thing to say is, oh my gosh, you deserve my undivided attention. I can totally give that to you in five minutes. Does that work for you? <laughs> and when somebody hears that, I mean, it, it, it just takes the steam out of them. Oh, oh, well, yeah, if I get your undivided attention, yeah, right? Because you want, you want to have that and you want to bring that. You want to promise that. But when you're reacting, you you very rarely can do that because folks to be in the green zone all the time, they, they're like bodhisattva, right? <laughs> they're just like, that's not usually how we operate because we have this um, we have this system that doesn't really promote green zone operations, right? Mm, yes, yes. And um, I'm pretty, you talked about this system right now. It's like the, you know, the fight flight system that we have, you know, whenever we are faced with any, or whenever we're confronted, um, confronted with any situation that is not so conducive, we either fight against it or we just flee from it. So for us, you know, enough for us to be in the, in the green zone, how can we then, you know, put our fight flight system in control or overcome it so that we can, you know, be at peace? Is it, does it have to do with meditation also or are there some things we can do to cop that, you know, system? Right. So, so the, there's the, the take fives that I talked about. There's also in the moment you start feeling yourself getting elevated, you can do um, a neurovascular hold, which is simply putting one hand on your forehead, one hand on the back of your brain and just gentle pressure. You can do that with those breaths that I talked about. And this one takes about 20 seconds for, for your body to notice like, oh, everything's okay right now. Right. Um, so, so those are some in the moment hacks, but for your whole life, you need to do that green zone stuff every day. You need to know how, how to get yourself into that mode, whether it's doing something you enjoy or it's meditation or it's yoga, it's chanting or praying or like whatever your, whatever your path to green zone looks like for you, that you find that inner peace give it to yourself regularly and daily so that that path is well worn to the point that when you're stressed, you still know how to get there. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It makes sense. Yes, it does. Yeah. I mean, I can totally, I can totally relate to that basically. Whenever I, I find myself, like you said, doing something that I really enjoy, I'm, I love, I, I, I'm like in cloud nine and if anyone offends me at that moment, I, it's like I'm on drugs basically. I don't want to get to feel it. It's like you offend me, pinch me, push me, punch me. No, I'm not affected. I'm in a flow basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and what's That's beautiful good. about that space is it's opposite of the message we get as people in society. As people mm -hmm. in society, we get messages about our rank based on race, based on ethnicity, based on our ability level and our income and our owning class status and like all, you know, like all of these messages we get about how we have to be less than or more than or protected or or mean or like all of that crap is out yeah. there in the world. And the green zone is basically this place where, and this is where the liberation comes in, where we get to realize I'm ultimately loved, safe, and valued, even if I don't have all of these high points in the ranking system where I live. 
right? Even if mm-hmm. other people don't see me as valued, even if other people don't don't look like they really love me much, right? That I don't have to internalize yeah. that and operate from that. Um, what what role does our emotions play or our emotional intelligence play when it comes to handling conflict better? Like you know, we've talked about meditation and the um, the exercises that we could do, mm-hmm. but then you know that, that the emotions deep down in us and our emotional intelligence also could you know creep in in some ways. Oh yeah, well there's there's that's a really smart question, Toby, because here in the U.S. only only one out of three adults actually recognizes the emotion at the time they're having it. So when people are having emotional reactions, which is basically every reaction we have, honestly, because they those those choices to to react come through our emotional center of our of our brain before they go into our logic center. So our logic center is like given a few choices, but those choices first originate in this kind of unconscious emotional space. So if we're unaware of our emotions and we can't identify that we're having emotions, guess what happens to the decisions we make? <laughs> They're largely irrational, <laughs> right? Right. So the first, the first thing is to increase your emotional intelligence, like not be that two-thirds of American adults and actually kind of go, oh, uh, this is what I feel like when I'm angry. Oh, okay. Now that I know that I can say, all right, I don't make good decisions when I'm angry. I'm going to like go take care of all of this energy because intense emotion can't last in you know, our bodies for more than 20 seconds. It is a passing thing, but that's a very important time not to be making big decisions, right? That's a very important time to take care of that energy and just recognize it like the storm that is passing through. And now, okay, what what was the message that came up? Because our emotions usually are telling us about something we haven't understood about ourselves, about our past, about the situation and how the situation maybe reminds us of something from our past, right? And so if we listen in, like, oh, wow. I had like a, the other night, my kids and I were having dinner. I'm a single mom. I have two adult kids and they both agreed with each other to the opposite perspective that I had. And all of a sudden I had this big flash of just, right. And, and I realized like, oh, wait, I thought that I was the authority figure. So there's one big emotional Achilles heel and the other one is I felt over, like outnumbered by them, a two to one, right? And so I had to start, like, that was my little indication, like, okay, I need to do some journaling about authority figures and being outnumbered. <laughs> and it brought up stuff from my childhood. And I'm like, oh, okay, that's where this is coming from. And it wasn't at all about my kids and this discussion we were having. It was about this early stuff. And so our emotions and our early memories are often very linked in ways that we don't understand because our rational brain hasn't really processed those connections. And so for us to get to that point of liberation for ourselves, where we're just not just this knee-jerk puppet reacting to all of these stimuli in the lived experience, we get to have, you know, we get to have this information and then use it to go inside. Oh, that's why I'm reacting. 
Because what I train people to do is to respond, not react. When we're feeling the need to react is when we do our worst self, right? Our worst self is, is very reactive. You know, we will tend with the biology that we have, we will tend to be way much bigger than the situation requires, much more authoritarian, much more oppressive. Um, our implicit bias, and we all have it, comes out in this mode. Or we will go small. And when we go small, we become very squishy, very passive. It's like we're not even there. And we forget how powerful and valuable we are. And both of those, we lose sense of our true value because we're either using status or authority or just the sense of whatever you say is okay with me. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and we have no control about which of those monsters shows up once our biology has hacked us like that. So I just like tell people, be patient, be kind. Once that's happened, you are pretty worthless for about 20 minutes because that adrenaline and that cortisol are still running through your body, making you hyper-reactive. Just take a big step back, go get safe. <laughs> and... And, you know, journal out, like, what happened? What was the triggering event? So that you can go do your own journey, do your own work about that thing. So the next time it won't be so charged for you. Yes. That means once we are able to learn how to respond instead of reacting, we'll be able to take control of the situation and not just suck at scary situations. Right, right. And and I encourage people, you probably won't be able to take control of the situation immediately. But my mm. goal for you is that you'll be able to take control of yourself. And once you do that, then you can start leaning into the things that are slightly scary. And then once you do that, you can lean into the things that used to be scary, right? Because you, your capacity grows with each exposure. Conflict is just like public speaking. The more you do, the easier it gets. Right? So you just have to keep... keep expanding your envelope and pushing until you're just like a little uncomfortable but not like mm. scared for your life yeah yeah but, but then you know sometimes we find ourselves in situations in which we we have to we have to respond as quick as possible i'm trying to use respond instead of react we, we, yes. we have to you know give back a, a feedback as quick as possible how do we then best respond to such situations mm -hmm. one of the things that i remind people is that our desire to be quick is always suspicious. So yes, there's a fire. I totally get it. You know, there are lives on the line. I totally get it. But most of the times that we're reactive, that's not the case. And if it was the case, usually, you know, our, our philanthropist is going to come out like, oh my gosh, I need to save that person from that fire. Like, right, we're, we're going to make this heroic decision that we didn't know was in us because we just react out of this desire to save a life. Yes. But usually when we're reactive, that's, that's not the hero. <laughs> usually when we're reactive... We're reacting out of some old patterns and old fears, um, and most of those are pretty insecure. Most of those are pretty much like, I can't believe they just did that to me. Ooh, that's not, that's not the person you want to react. So, so when we respond, we can respond quickly. But ideally, we've already had some experience with that taking five and those doing those other things so that 
when we do respond, we're coming from that place of confidence, that place of this is not about me and I'm going to do the best I can with what I have. And if I mess it up, which frankly I did for many, many years running, you know, these high incident settings, if I mess it up, I know I'm going to learn and I'm going to do better next time. You know, that you just give yourself permission, like I'll do the best I can. And when I start to feel flooded, when my body is telling me, Ooh, it's getting, it's getting a little too much. I'm, I'm starting to like get close to that hijack point where I'm going to release all of the adrenaline, all of the cortisol and turn into fight, flight, freeze monster, right? Like, okay, I don't want to go that far. I, I would be better to take myself out of the situation than to stay in a situation and get flooded and turn into a monster. Yeah, that's true. Of course. I mean, it takes a lot of practice, a lot of discipline, but I, I believe, like what you said, once we can do that deep in our work and we're able to take that time to, to go on that process of you know, maybe little little scary situations, then bigger scary situations, we fall, we rise, we learn, and that way we're able to, at the end of the day, um, respond to situations and not just react and let the monsters out of us, basically. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's hard because, you know, especially when you look at how we're socialized, that monster gets very easily triggered. You know, as a woman, I've been mistreated. I've been handled really poorly. I've even been fired by men. And, you know, it's just like there's a lot of history there. So when I'm around somebody who I think is running sexism in my direction, it's very easy for me to have a reaction because I have a long history of events that tells me, oh, this is just like that. And what I've learned is I cannot interrupt patterns of sexism when I'm highly defended. When I'm highly defended, the best thing I can do is take care of myself and get myself out of the situation. But if I want to interrupt and I have a lot of resources and I'm able to like be really confident and strong about my value and my amazing gifts to the world, then I can be curious about this other and I can say, huh, well, that's a really interesting comment you just made. What gave you that idea? Mm. And now yeah. it's a conversation as opposed to me being victimized. Yeah. Yes. That's really smart. <laughs> Right. That's when it gets juicy. That's when we really do the liberation work with other people. Right. That's that's yes. that's the golden stuff. But it, it takes a lot of internal resources to hold space for somebody who's being oppressive like that. That's true. Wow. I mean, that's that's so amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, once we can get to that level, it's so amazing. I, it's a big challenge. I can I, I can I must admit, basically. But once we can get to that level that we can't. Turn every confrontation to like a conversation to find out more to be able to go deeper into what the root cause of the, the old situation could be. That way, we are able to diffuse or diffuse the old situation and yeah, mm -hmm. become be become better basically from it. So, so. Mm -hmm. yeah, so that's what I said when I said that conflict in my definition is confusion about power. That's what I mean. Yeah, you just summed it up beautifully. Like. We can bring our best selves into any situation, but we forget we have that power because of all of the other stuff that's happened to us in our lives. Yeah. 
Yes, that's true. But when you talk about, you know, confusion of power, and from your example, you know, it's you and your, your kids and um, you, you, you're in that position of power, authority, but then, you know, the, you are outnumbered basically. So yes. I'm just, I'm just, you know, um, curious to know when it comes to our social ranking and it comes to, you know, races also, you know, we have this kind of power being played across races. So um, what role do, do um, the social rank, you know, play in conflict and what role does, you know, race also play in, in conflicts? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in this country, it's, it's a very um, long and ugly history uh, in the U.S., of course. Um, and I think when you look at people, especially people of color who are actively involved in, in, in the revolution around their rights, um, you see how much they're bringing in a clear definition of their personal power and their personal agency and their right to be treated with respect. And when you hear people speak from that place, from that clarity, it's... It's beautiful. It's just like you want to follow them into battle because they're so articulate about how they how they're experiencing the world is so different than who they know they are. So my favorite my favorite definition of power is personal power is your own wounds being made work to to work for you. You take the places that you're hurt, you process them, you understand them, you put them in this larger context around equity, around the way things should work, but how they didn't for you. And you go, oh, that's, that's what's supposed to happen here. This is the thing I most need moving forward. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. And that... I love that. that. That's beautiful. So that's that's personal power. And then the other definition is spiritual power. And both of these um, definitions I'm borrowing from Dr. Letitia Nieto, who just, I love it because we live in this country that says, oh, well, power is money and being white and owning your house and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 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 no. That's called rank. Power is what we each individually have. Let's get clear about that because like my kids, I had this confusion that because I was, you know, the mom, I should have this power, but no, they're adults that they, they have a lot of decisions that they get to make. Even if, even ones I don't like about doing their chores or not doing their chores or, you know, picking up after themselves. And I wanted to assert that my decision about that was more, more like had more privilege than theirs and they called me on it like nope no mom (laughs) right yeah (laughs) and it was uncomfortable for me (laughs) um but but ultimately yeah what what we came up with uh, in that particular conflict is all right well you can either pay money to have somebody clean up after you or you can do it yourself, but I'm not going to do it. Right. So I got back in touch with my power as, as a, as a housemate, as opposed to I'm your parent. And one day we actually hired somebody to come and clean the house and they saw number one, how expensive it was. And number two, 
they did put stuff back the way they wanted them to put back, right? (laughs) (laughs) And so my kids are like going, you mean it's $50 a week not to clean up after myself? It's like, yeah, that's a lot of money, huh? Mm, Of course. (laughs) And now, now it's not me, like being the jerk right uh, so so mm. yeah i had to really lean into what what is the true sense of power and agency here yes i mean that that takes some intelligence right i mean to, to go through that step and not you know utilize your power and say yeah, yeah i'm your parents i'm your mother you, you have to do what i say and that's for the final and that's the final decision to that yeah yeah wow that's good i you know um i'm so glad that you you open up, up up about this a little bit when you talked earlier about um you know you've been at the place of work where you were maybe maltreated or for example you got fired because of um your gender basically it does in the fact that it influences how we see ourselves and how we see our power so um if I believe and I've been socialized that as a woman, I can't handle conflict if it gets physical, then I'm going to get really scared of any conflict that looks like it could become physical. So, you know, the slightest body language or person who's larger than I am, who or who invades my bubble or who starts talking down to me, um, all of that is pro- perhaps going to remind me of when I was a child and the adults who are much bigger than me could simply just pick up a, you know, a screaming toddler and carry me away, right? Like, like all of that stuff around our physical agency gets threatened unless we've done our work, unless we've really leaned into those patterns of belief that we have. So, so when I work with women around increasing their conflict capacity, that's the first thing I tell them is I want you to understand that you actually have some advantages in the face of conflict that men don't have. Because if a man enters into a conflict with a random stranger, that stranger is going to look at this man as somebody who could get physical, as someone who possibly would would take it to um, an armed conflict, right? Um, whereas women, we're not seen typically as, as physically threatening. And so when you look at me and you, you don't know that I study martial arts, right? You don't know that I could actually beat you. <laughs> um, that, that works to my advantage. I can get into a situation and just like say, hey, what's going on? What do you need right now? And, and a man couldn't say that same thing without it having this, this perspective of threat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we both have this disadvantage in how we've been socialized and makes us feel like, oh, I don't have as much agency and I have to be really cautious and, oh, I better go find a big man to back me up, blah, 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 blah. Right. Like we have that. But once we overcome that, we actually have this huge advantage around conflict. And then for men, they have a disadvantage in that they are often socialized that they may only express a very limited range of emotions, right? There's a lot of oppression around emotional expression for men. So when they see somebody who's expressing emotions that they're not allowed to have, such as crying, (laughs) right? Like, 
oh my gosh, that can shut down half of the men in the room. If I like have a really big grief session, that's the number one way to make every other guy squirm. The ones that have done their work, I was like, oh yeah, I get that she's she's having emotions, no big deal, right? But then the half of the men are like, oh, make it stop. <laughs> and I watched, yeah. I watched this, like I used to have this woman in my staff meeting, um, whenever things weren't going her way, all she had to do is get a little teary eyed. And all of the men in the room would just like, oh yeah, yeah, we, we need to do what she says. <laughs> because they did not want that teardrop to ever make it out of her eye. That to them was frightening. Right. So, so again, like you're asking about our emotional intelligence, like, yeah, get in touch with your emotions, uh, give yourself the full range of emotional expression, get that it's temporary and that these are just little messengers that you want to listen to them, but not act on them. And, and that makes it a lot easier for men to handle conflict that's not just about, you know, who's the biggest, angriest, loudest jerk, right? Mm-hmm. That's true. So cry if you want to cry, express yourself. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. don't overlook a woman in conflict. You could be a martial arts expert. She, and, yeah, <laughs> she could be a bad mama jama and you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know. You don't even know. <laughs> you, could find, you could find yourself on the floor anytime, any moment from now. <laughs> Yeah, oh, that's 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 really good. But you know, sometimes when we when we are you know having a conflict or something, we we tend to you know like argue. I want to you know exchange, exchange points. I'm sharing my own point of my own perspective. You're sharing your own perspective. How can we successfully you know sell our points you know mm-hmm. successfully without having to actually argue so much? Like, okay, this is my perspective. How can I convince you mm. to see things the way I am seeing them? Well, that's not a conflict. That is more like a war of perspectives and for me that's a different thing right i am not going to be able to sway you about my perspective unless i fully understand yours and so when when people ask me like oh i just want my neighbor to like understand my political persuasion like well maybe you should listen first i come from a long line of people whose political persuasion is like opposite of mine <laughs> and, and and so what i have to do is actually listen to understand and if i can state back to them so what you're saying is this did i get that right and if when the moment that they feel heard then new information can come in until then they're going to keep on giving me their perspective because communication cycles never get completed until we feel heard um And so I always encourage people, be a really good listener. If you're lucky, you'll get to the point that they feel heard and understood by you. If you're really lucky, you'll get to the point that they're ready to receive some new information about a perspective that's different. Yes, yes. So we're going to such situations with open mind, basically. Yeah, Mm -hmm. also. Mm -hmm. And and just be open open to be curious. Because if you don't feel curious about that other person it's not going to go well. Again, that's not your green zone showing up. Your green zone is a very curious, like, oh, what's going on here? I've never heard that before. Tell me more. You're right. Like that's green zone. Yeah. 
yes, yes. Being open-minded and being, yes, uh, being curious, basically. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Embracing other people around us too and accepting their own perspective of life. Yeah. Right, right. Even if, even if like, um, you know, for some of my relatives, I just had to admit, wow, your, your definition of God is kind of scary to me. And I'm sorry that that's not the God that is in my heart. Because I feel like we have this disconnection now, and that was a easier way for me to say that than "Oh, you're wrong." <laughs> it's just like I'm just going to leave it at we have two totally different definitions of who that God person is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, and you know, as much as you have the right to embrace your own knowledge and perspective of God. Mm-hmm. I believe they also have their own yeah. rights to embrace that too. I mean, from time to time, one could always, you know, tell them, oh, this is my own view. This is my own point of view. This is the way I see. This is my perspective. But then I, 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 I you know, accept you the way you are with your belief and mm-hmm. your, your own perspective too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not that you, like you said, not that you, you are wrong and this or that, but I'm yeah. convinced in a different way. And this is why I'm convinced in the other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes it easy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, so far, so far we've really talked about, you know, conflict that we have with external people, like counterparts with people, with um, maybe our workmates or our, you know, partners or parents or children for example but you know, sometimes we, we we face conflict within us like conflict like you know i don't know emotional conflict or um you know, non-physical conflict mm-hmm. basically that are mm-hmm. deep within us uh, can you advise us on how to deal with such kinds of conflicts yeah and when you when you say that toby what i'm thinking is when we feel something inside of us that's just not right something uncomfortable something out of step um and that's when those practices that you have, the, those things that bring you to the green zone are really good and those things that allow you to be curious. Because when I have that experience for me, it usually means a couple of things. Either I'm out of integrity, like who I was meant to be in this world is not getting expressed for some reason, right? Or there's some confusion I have Um, that I need to lean in more. Like um, maybe there's an integrity thing that I didn't even know I had. Um, For example, it was just recently that I learned that I'm actually a really creative person (laughs) and I need to do creative stuff regularly. Um, And I've been skipping my, um, my creative night for the last couple of weeks and I'm starting to feel kind of like grumpy and I'm realizing, oh, that's because I haven't had a paintbrush in my hand for three weeks. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's right. That's a part of me being true to me. And yeah, it didn't work out those nights, but I'm going to make it work this weekend, right? So, yeah, yeah. I just really lean people, encourage people. When that inner turmoil is going on, just be kind to yourself. Give yourself permission to be curious. Like, what? Oh, what do you need, honey? <laughs> like literally, I ask myself that question. Like, what do you need, honey? You know, after you go through a little bit of the grumble, grumbles. Oh, it's this person's fault, and oh, I can't believe blah blah blah. Just go. Oh, okay. Well, let's let's try this. Let's give you that. Does that sound good? Yes, of course, it sounds good. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be, be, be kind to yourself. Yes, yes, it's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. 
I mean, as a closing remark, I've learned so much from you already, like from how to, you know, deal with conflict better, how to become a better person, even out of a very scary situation. That That is life-changing, I would say. Well, I don't know if you have any word of advice or any insight that you want to share on how we could maybe best deal with conflict for people that are currently in conflict at their place of work with a very difficult colleague, for example, <laughs> or with, um, in situations in which they, they are already frustrated up to the, the brim, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah. workplace conflict, there's um, usually multiple answers. I've, I've been hired to work with teams quite a bit in all kinds of situations. And um, I would say for that, just hit up my website or my email and I'll, I'll give you a 30-minute consultation about like learn what the dynamics of the workplace are, if, if this is a gender-related thing, if this is a lack of role clarity, if this is maybe an opportunity for the whole team to get trained on, on how to make an agreement about how conflict is handled. Um, because we're, by and large, a pretty conflict-avoidant species, um, and we miss a lot of opportunities to make things better by kicking the can down the road and not handling, like, what's what's the thing that's making everybody uncomfortable? And right now, companies that do that, they're seeing a lot of turnover because that's not sustainable. People have a lot of emotional weight when conflict's not resolved. So I really encourage people, like, dig in, figure out what is going on, have the difficult conversation once so you don't have to have the uncomfortable conversation every day <laughs> right <laughs> of course yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Of course. Wow. Thank you so much. I really appreciate all of everything I've learned from you, Kristen. Yeah. I don't know. I'm sure there are people out there who would still love to ask you more questions, maybe get across to you. You talked about your website already and your um, email address. Um, this will be in the show notes of this episode, but I don't know if there are other ways or form that we could connect with you also. Yeah. An email is the best way because then once you introduce yourself to me, I will add you to my email list and I send out weekly emails with tips and tricks and whatever's going on in my brain um and that's a great way to stay in touch awesome that's good so this will be in the show notes of this episode i encourage everyone who is listening to just send an email over ask your questions what we could not cover in this um, podcast episode please ask Kristen; she's there to answer and maybe give you weekly insights and ways to improve your life also thank you so much Kristen. i really appreciate this it was wonderful it was awesome and happy birthday once again <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> Wow, you made it to the very end of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'm grateful for your time, your love, and your contributions. Subscribe, like, review, and share this podcast. God bless you. Bye. Bye.